all open your Bibles to, to the Luke chapter 4. And also in your bulletin you will see this insert. So I got past that part. First service when I said this, this thing created such a big noise. Here we're looking at stepping up. It's an outreach that we would, we've discussed, the men's breakfast and that, and it's something we think is very, very important. And I would like the men to go online and look at the videos of these men that you see in the pictures there and what they have to say about our young men today and what they're trying to do. It's time for us to realize how important it is to step up and rise above the rest of it all. And so this is going to be an outreach that we're going to do at the church. And we'd like you to start thinking now and looking around as the Lord might identify a young man in your life or even the same age as you or older. doesn't matter. And then look up in prayer. Start praying for this individual or a couple of individuals and then look forward to inviting them to this conference. It'll be very important and very helpful to men today. And it's the timing of it being in the bulletin is right on time with the heading of my sermon, which I named Stepping Up and Rise. Stepping up, rise up, rise above what you're facing and seeing everybody else do in this world. So many of the young people say, but they're doing it. They have that. They're allowed to do that. They can stay up. We need to take Jesus' lead and stand firm in our faith as we look into this passage. There's a huge impact for me here as I see how Jesus steps up for his ministry now. And as, as I encourage you all to keep reading through the Bible, a verse stood out to me in Exodus chapter 32, verse 26. Then Moses said in the gate of the camp, sorry, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Whoever's for the Lord, come to me. This is huge, especially what they just did while he was away for 40 days and 40 nights. And he made them make this decision. Whoever's for the Lord, come to me. It's a decision you have to face every day. And if you don't know the Lord personally here today, you need to listen carefully this morning. Whoever's for the Lord, come to me. Are you for the Lord this morning? We are moving forward in the, in the word of Luke, and we know where it's leading us all to, the cross. We know that Jesus' direction is straight to this cross where he was treated horrifically with the most cruelty we can even think of. He was tortured by man, by us. He knew this was coming as well. So we need to rise above all that is going on around us and step up to the call of God. What is the call of God in your personal life? God has given us many responsibilities and we need to man up to them and glorify God in everything we do and say and what we're a part of. We cannot afford to compromise. Be tolerant. Satan is looking for opportune times to start destroying everything around us. We're not separated from this. Jesus Christ is attacked by Satan. We're going to look at that this morning. That means you will too. And it doesn't stop. When he said, when it says in the scriptures, he'll wait for an opportune time. That means he's coming back. He's still going to not give up on Jesus either. He won't give up on you either. Ladies, I'd like you to look at your man. And you need to realize that if he is going to go forward as a godly man... 
he is going to be under attack, just like Jesus. You need to know your man well. You need to help him fight the challenges that he faces. You need to be encouraging him, helping him through this. Early in the Bible, we see God says to Canaan, your countenance countenance is down. He's looking at his body language. He's looking at his attitude. We should know each other well. I said to my boys earlier in our walk, you need to know me well. You need to look at me. You need to watch me. You need to know my character, my nature, when I'm down or looking troubled. So you know how to help me come to pray with me or step back. We need to know each other very, very intimately so that we can be there to support one another. And ladies too, you're going to be the attacking point for your, your husband. If he breaks through from Satan, Satan's going to come after you. Because he'll know that his love for you is very, very important. And he's going to start on you. And then it doesn't stop there. Satan is coming after your children as well. He doesn't give up. He needs to find the weakest link in the family to break through. Satan will not stop. He'll look to find your weaknesses and God's treasures. And God treasures families. He treasures his saints. He's coming. He's here. He will attack you. Sons and daughters, be on guard as well. Know your parents. We looked earlier how Jesus was under subjection to Mary and Joseph. Watch for things that are out of character with your parents and yourselves. And you need to stop and surrender and pray with one another. In tender, loving care with each other. You've got to realize that this is something um, very, very important. It's happened to my family time and time again. You think when the Lord is calling you to surrender to Him and follow Him, that this is not going to take place. I slipped up and did that. James chapter 4, verses 7 through 8, it says, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Submit therefore to God, and the devil will... Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 11. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. These scriptures are telling us this is what's going to come, what you're going to face. And we see Jesus faces this. 1 Peter 5.8 it says, be of, sober, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. His object is to destroy what you believe in. He wants to destroy your joy, what you hold things close to, your heart, your family, your children. Look with me at Luke chapter 2. Uh, sorry, chapter 4, verses 1. Oops. We see Jesus steps up and faces the attack from Satan. Jesus is our example to follow. You will see as we follow Jesus through these scriptures, he is totally dependent on the Father and the Word of God. Verses 1 through 4 says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when when they had ended, he became hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, 
It is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Those of you journeying with God through the Bible, reading the whole Bible, this should start ringing bells. 40 days and 40 nights. How many times have you seen that so far from Genesis through to the end of Exodus? While he became hungry, while he's vulnerable, weak, that's when the devil strikes. When you're tired, you've had a hard day at work, you're exhausted, here he comes. You're going to get angry, you're going to get irritable with your family. It's going to get difficult. Verse 2 should start to ring some bells. 40 days and 40 nights. Where else has this taken place? In Exodus chapter 34, verse 28, it says, So he, that is Moses, was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He did not eat bread or drink water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Here's Moses going through the same thing. When you're reading this, it's challenging you to think, well, how, how does that happen? How does he spend 40 days and 40 nights up there and does not eat or drink anything? Who's sustaining him? Where's this power coming from? I'd like to challenge you all to write this down. 1 Kings chapter 19, 1 through 8. This Sunday, read the story by Elijah and him on the run. And now he also faces the most incredible thing. He's there in this cave and the angel touches him. Can you handle that? And when he opens his eyes, there's some bread on some hot stones and a jug of water. And he's told to rise, eat this. You're going to need it for the next 40 days, 40 nights. It's an amazing story. Again, you're seeing the power of God, the divine power intervening. Great story for you to follow on this afternoon. So back to Luke, verse 3, it says, The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. He knows who he is. He's calling him the Son of God, reminding all of us, too, who we're dealing with here. Hear the words of deception, like in the beginning of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 4, the serpent, that is the devil, said to the woman, you surely will not die. See how he picks his words to get you to start doubting. To take away your trust, your belief in God. Surely you will not die. Really? Come on. The devil also translated the slanderer, accuser, Satan, the adversary. Originally a holy angel known as Lucifer, according to Isaiah chapter 41 verse 12. The highest of all created beings, blameless in his ways from the day he was created until unrighteousness was found in him. You can read about Satan in Ezekiel chapter 28. He became arrogant and his pride sought to raise his throne above the stars of God, Isaiah 14, 13, and thus make himself like the Most High, Ezekiel 28, 11 through 15. As a result of his sin, Satan was cast out of heaven, apparently along with one-third of the angels who chose to join him in his rebellion, Revelation 12, 4. This was God's number one angel. When you read what he was gifted with, this is a very serious person to deal with. Very powerful. Been around a long time. The Bible describes Satan as a liar and a murderer. John 8.44 A dragon, Revelation 12.3 A snake, Genesis 3.1 and Revelations 12.9 The accuser, Revelations 12.10 The evil one, 
John 17, 15. The God of this world. John 12, 31. Who blinds the minds of the unbelieving. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. The prince of power of the air. A roaring lion and a tempter. He succeeds in blurring Adam and Eve in their judgment. He entices Adam and Eve to eat of the fruit. Through this, he affected the whole human race, all of us, affected by what he did with Adam and Eve. Satan attempted to destroy the second Adam we're going to see here. Remember in the chapter 3, we saw his genealogy. Jesus goes all the way back to Adam. His hope is thwarting God's plan of redemption. He knows the ultimate plan here. And his goal is to destroy it. Destroy what God loves the most. And Jesus answered him and said, Is it written, man shall not live on bread alone? We see Jesus starts to teach us and how to, sets us an example. And how do we fight back? He is quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and chapter 8. Jesus fights back with God's word. Do you know God's word? Are you memorizing God's word? Have you picked up the challenge to read the whole Bible? Jesus is using the Old Testament here. Deuteronomy. He is fighting with the words of God because he believes in his father. He has the father's promises here. Jesus responds to Satan's temptations by quoting Scripture. The Lord has given me a verse throughout last year and beginning of this year, Mark chapter 5, verse 36. It says, Do not be afraid any longer. Just believe. Can you do that? It is really hard because we are dealing with a deceiver, a very clever angel. Of deception. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, if you'd like to turn there. Verses 3 through 6. He humbled you and let you be hungry, and fed you with manna which did not know which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone. But man lives by everything that proceeds out the mouth of the Lord. Jesus believes this. He's hungry. He is a man. We've got to keep remembering Jesus is the God-man. He has come as man. He's going to get through this as a man. He's not going to draw on his divine power. So he is using this scripture, believing his Father will come through for him. Your clothing did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years in the desert. Thus you are to know in your heart that the Lord your God was disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. This week I was challenged again by someone who was struggling with the way I keep saying we should fear the Lord. As you start reading the Bible, you see the importance over and over. This is repeated. And as I say to you so many times, in all the years I've been reading the Bible, it's amazing how I still find verses I never saw before. And here's one that came up this year. Exodus 20, 20. And right on the day I'm asked to explain the fear of the Lord. Look what it says. Ah, it's up there. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you, and in order that the fear of him may remain with you. 
so that you may not sin. That's what he's talking about. If you sin and it doesn't bother you, you rationalize it, you analyze it, you're not fearing God. Where is your respect, your reverence of God? If you can get past things that you know you shouldn't be doing, the fear of Him may remain with you so that you may not sin. Ponder this a little bit. Think about what he's saying here to Moses. What Moses said to the people, sorry. God's word repeats, fear the Lord, over and over again in the Psalms as well. Jesus, knowing God's word, knew of the plan which was before him, and he was trusting in the Father's promises. He is stepping up, he is rising up to this situation. Jesus knew that he would not die in the wilderness, and we know that too. His destiny was towards the most horrific treatment. And Jesus knew he must go to the cross to set us free, to enable us to come before the Father. So what is your call? What is God calling you to do? What does he want you involved in? John's, John chapter 3, verse 16 and 7, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's great. That is fantastic to know we are going to stand before God. We're going to be there. We have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So when we look at what his journey is right now, today, it starts. He's facing Satan. He is fighting for his life. He's making decisions right now. Decisions you would face every single day. You've got the understanding, if you trust in Christ as your personal Savior, that you have eternal life, yes. But what is your call, your purpose now, till He comes, till He returns, or until you die? Jesus never wavered from God's plan for His life. Neither should we. In His last recorded prayer for His followers, He said, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. That's his last prayer for us. This evil one is serious. His goal is to disrupt anything that would be magnify God in any way, to glorify him. Jesus' response to every situation he faced was, was perfectly consistent with the nature of God. The devil assaulted him with wave after wave of temptations, huge temptations seeking to lure him into sin and derail the plan of redemption. God's word came through for Jesus, and the devil backs off. Let's look at verses 5 through 8 of Luke. It says, And he led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whoever I wish. Listen to the way he speaks. Therefore, if you worship me, if you worship before me, it shall be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. 
straightforward answer from the Word of God. Here the devil is working on the flesh. The eyes to create the lust. He's saying, look. Look what he did to Eve. Look. Once the lust is set in, the desire starts to grow. I must have that. I want that. You're right. I do deserve that. The adverts today on TV constantly reminding you, you deserve this. You should have this. Put it on your credit card. You'll be fine. Go into debt. It's an awesome place to be. Everything is to destroy you, to break you, and break your families. Romans thirteen fourteen says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. We are bombarded with everything around us about the flesh. Wanting, desiring. Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy 6.13. Look what it says. You shall fear only the Lord your God and you shall worship Him and swear by His name. You shall not follow other gods, any of the gods of the people who surround you. For the Lord your God in the midst of you is a jealous God. Otherwise the anger of the Lord your God will be kindled against you. And he will wipe you off the face of the earth. You shall put, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. See how important it is to be reading this. To getting a deeper understanding of your position with God. What are the gods? So when you read it and the history of this time, it's very easy to understand it. And you need to be reading it to what you're facing and seeing in your world today. What is the gods around you? What's capturing you, your friends, your family? What are these things? You need to be ready. Deuteronomy 10.20 says, You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve Him and cling to Him, and you shall swear by His name. I love how Matthew chapter 4, verse 10, the same story about Jesus being tempted. He said, Then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan! For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. This is Jesus being attacked here. This is very real. You won't be not going through this. Let's look at uh, Luke verses 9 through 12. It says, And he led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourselves down from here. Oh, and look what he says now. This is the devil speaking. For it is written. He knows the Bible. He knows the scriptures. He knows how to play you. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. The devil is even using Psalms 91, verses 11 and 12. How crafty is this devil? Very crafty. He knows what the Word of God says, and he knows how to even twist it to see if you pick up. He twisted this psalm. He knows a lot more than you probably realize. He has been around a long time and knows your weaknesses. He desires for you to fail and join him in hell because he knows where he's going and he isn't going alone. 
It is a fight. You have to rise up. Think about these temptations now. Satan is questioning the Father's love on the first temptation when he tempted Jesus to turn the stones into bread. Satan questioned his hope when he offered Jesus the world's kingdoms this side of the cross. The third one, Satan questioned the Father's faithfulness when he asked Jesus to jump from the temple and prove the Father will keep his promise. Satan attacks the three basic virtues of the Christian life. Faith, hope, and love. That's what he's going to fight you with. He's going to destroy your hope. He's going to try and destroy your faith and love so that you can't love one another as you should. He knows how to come after you. Satan quotes from Psalms, as I said, and he misquotes it because in Psalms 91, 11 through 12, he says, He will give you his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands and that you do not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus breaks through every time by using the Scriptures. He knows what the Word of God says. Verse 12 says, Jesus answered and said to him, It is said you shall not put the Lord God to the test. He believes this. He's holding on to the promises of God. His faith is strong. And he's trusting in God's love for him. When the devil finished every temptation, verse 13, he left him until an opportune time. This part here in my life I left out once. I thought as I was surrendering to God and following his call on my life that this cannot come back at me. I've been fighting for a long time to resist the devil and draw near to God. But he did. He found an opportune time. He went off to Linda many a time as we waited to try and understand the Lord's calling on our life here. We came here for a year. Year after year, it was tough. Our hardest time we faced was one summer when uh, he got a hold of Linda and just said, that's it, it's done. We need to leave. We need to get out of here. We need to go to Ireland. We need to go back. It's impossible for us to stay. Everyone is telling us this. Everyone in authority. We went through all the senators. And I looked at her and I thought, I've got one more year to go. Really? Would God want me to quit now? And I had to say to her, I don't think I can stop now. If you want to go, you're going to have to go alone. And I went outside to pray with my two boys. I said, boys, we need to go pray. We're in a tough place right now. We sat under the tree and we said, well, how do we pray for something like this? And I said, I have no idea, but we need to pray for the protection of mom. We need to finish what God started here. I really believe that, sincerely believe that. And as we looked at one another to see how we're going to start to pray, this SUV pulls up under the tree. And you know who's in the SUV? My angel, Gary Walker. The same guy that called me to Frontier School of Bible in Ireland. He drives up and gets out the car and says, what are you three men doing here? And I said, we're in a, whew, it's unbelievable you've come here. We're in a difficult situation. We need, we need prayer. We're getting attacked. There's a chance of split here. And he said, you know, I said, well, why are you here? And he said, well, I woke up this morning and said to my wife, after my quiet time, you know what, I need to go to see Wayne. I think he's in trouble. So I jumped in my car and came. 
So let's, the, the four of us, get back inside, get Linda, and kneel down and pray. Because you've got to finish this. God is amazing. Same as that story I've asked you to read in 1 Kings. He was broken. He, wanted, he, just, he was the last one standing. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him, touched him. This is a battle. A battle for your family, battle for your sons, battle for your grandsons. This is just stories to a lot of people. This isn't stories. This is true life, living right now. Daniel, people are Daniels today. They're Josephs today. If you look into the lives of these characters, you've got to develop it into your life so you can fight through this. And Jesus, in verse 14, returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread through all the surrounding districts. His ministry began. Your ministry needs to begin. You need to understand what is your call. You see, for me, God's word unlocks the door to my life every day. You need to trust him, trust Jesus, and let him in to give you a greater purpose than you're living right now. We have to be impacting people. We need to be impacting this world. I read to you from Ezekiel 18.30 last week. It said, Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, according to his conduct, declares the Lord God. Repent and turn away from all your transgressions, and that iniquity may not become a stumbling block for you. Where is your journey now with the Lord? Are you seeing the fruit of Spirit? If not, you need to turn. You need to fight back from the stumbling blocks. Verse 31 says, Cast away from all your transgressions which you have committed and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares the Lord God. Therefore repent and live. Repentance is not merely an intellectual change of the mind about who Christ is. It's a radical change from sin. My friend over here was sharing with us about something that he's got so passionate about and understands how wrong it is. And the guys around the table said, man, you're really radical. That's good. If we don't get radical about our passion for Christ, what difference are we going to make? God is waiting for you to confess from your heart. If you do this, you'll experience God's forgiveness. God loves you. If you believe in his son, he wants you to know him because he went to the cross for us. He died on the cross. So let's examine ourselves now. Where are we personally? And are we walking in the light? If not, now's the time to make the change. Change your attitude, change your ways. Now's the time to seek Him, to see His power come through. Jesus loves us with an unfailing love. But are we fighting Him? He laid down His life for you and I to be set free today. He is worthy of your complete surrender. After communion, we are going to see Cadence Valley being baptized. Cadence doing a physical act of a spiritual fact. This guy is excited, chased me down so many times in the why, asking me, why aren't you baptizing me? And uh, his 
I had interviewed him this week and he is on fire for the Lord. That nur- we need to nurture that fire, rub it against each other. It's contagious. You need to be set on fire for the Lord. What is your life exhibiting? If you do not know Jesus Christ personally now, you need to step up. You need to rise up above what the world is trying to convince you about. Make this life-changing decision today. Make this day a new life for you. Rise to a higher calling. So we're also going to look at communion here this morning. And as I look there, I see the candle lit. And I'm so excited about Andrew Sinkle there. And I pray for all that you keep praying for him. He's going to be an exciting man of God soon. But as we look at this communion, I'd like to ask the deacons and elders if they would gather together. Whilst I read from you the scriptures about this, Jesus asked us to remember this. And as you think about what you know about Jesus in his last hours, how close is your relationship to him? How grateful are you about what he has done, what he has gone through? My goal is always searching what would God have me do next? We have a calling. We know we're going to heaven. That's a, that's a given. If you believe Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. But what are you supposed to be doing here until he comes? Until you die? We need to see families reunited. Like here. We need a love with a love that you can only get from God. To break through. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 23 to 26 says, The Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread... And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the the Lord's death until he comes. I'd like to pray with you as the deacons and elders gather around the table here. Will you bow your heads? Father, what a week of experiencing you with Andrew beginning his new life with you and Caden stepping up to be baptized. Lord, we thank you so much for everything belongs to you. And as you come through in different things, In our lives as we trust you, we have our faith in you and our love for you. Lord, I want to thank you for the sale of our house on the last minute, 31st of January, as the banks were ready to take our house, you brought in a buyer. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you for all that we've learned in that waiting for that time. We have all come to praise you, and we want to step up to your call in our lives to magnify your name. Father, we are all remembering this morning what you asked your son to do for us, to give us life by sacrificing his life for ours. We understand what it took for that to take place, and we want to surrender to you today. And as Moses said, the Lord is my banner. May this church make you their banner today and glorify your name in everything they do and say. And reminded this week twice by various people, and then Pastor Jake too, Psalm 34, verse 7 through 9. 
The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For to those who fear him, there is no want. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.